Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we speak with Cindy Gallup, public speaker and former ad agency executive, about the lack of diversity in the advertising business, her advice for young people getting into the industry, and what has to change at big ad holding companies. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Stephen Perlberg. I'm here with Jack Marshall. Jack, how are you doing? I'm great, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. So our listeners may not know this because this is a podcast. You can't see us, but we are two white dudes. And uh, this may come as a newsflash to you guys, but it's a big topic right now in, in the industry that we talk about you know, every week, uh, media, marketing, advertising, the prevalence of white dudes. Uh, and... It's become a huge, a huge uh, flashpoint issue, and so we're really super happy to have uh, as our guest uh, someone who's been kind of taking on that paradigm, a, a vocal uh, public speaker, consultant, and a former advertising executive. Our guest today is Sydney Gallup. How are you, Sydney? Very well, thank you. So let's start, you know, just from, from kind of what we were talking about. Right now in the ad industry, there have been a few things sort of bubbling up to the surface recently, uh, just sort of about the lack of diversity and um, lack of sort of female uh, executives at the top. And you've been you've been vocal about this. And so I, I just wanted to get maybe start with your sense of sort of what some of the challenges are when it comes to lack of diversity at, at ad agencies. Well, um, I'm an enormous fan of radical simplicity. I like to keep things very simple. And the answer to your question is very, very simple indeed. At the top of our industry as at the top of every industry, there is a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys. Those white guys are sitting very pretty. They've got their enormous salaries, their gigantic bonuses, their lavish expense accounts, their huge pool of stock options. Why on earth would they ever want to rock the boat? Because the system is working just fine for them the way it is currently. So that's why there is a significant lack of diversity at the top of our industry. That's why there's a significant lack of diversity all the way through it. And that's why nothing is changing. So what do you think uh, has to change in terms of um, sort of shifting that paradigm? It sounds like these are, I mean, I think in, in every industry, these are really entrenched problems and advertising being, being one where it's, it's been clear. Uh, but how do you get sort of from A to B to the, to the place of disrupting that uh, current system? Well, you know, the good thing is that there are a whole bunch of different people and different dynamics tackling this from every possible angle. Um, I focus on where I believe the most difference can be made uh, because I believe that change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. Every single one of us every day undertaking micro-actions to change all of this cumulatively add up at scale to enormous impact. And so when I talk about this, um, what I recommend to the women and the right-minded men of the industry is basically to do the things that they can do to change this from the bottom up. In terms of the top-down, the only thing that will break that closed loop of white guys is complete total, utter, absolute, bloody disaster. 
And Would a good example be sort of when, I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up sort of recent events. The, the former chairman of Saatchi and Saatchi, Kevin Roberts, got in trouble and ended up resigning over comments that he made on gender diversity, which included a, a dig at you. And, um, you know, he was really lambasted very quickly and, and ended up resigning. And do you think those sort of events send a message to other people at the top to say, you know, this, this is not behavior that, you know, will be accepted? Well, Stephen, the very depressing thing about those events is that every few months something like this happens in our industry. A senior white guy becomes a lightning rod for this issue. And the depressing thing about that is that that means change isn't happening. Because if it were happening, those regular lightning rod moments wouldn't happen. The very fact that a senior man in our industry actually thought he could say everything he said to a journalist, knowing it would be reported on and written up, and thought that was fine, it is indicative. You know, and, and that's why whenever one of these incidents happen, you know, even one most recently that involved me directly, and, and incidentally, I was very taken aback by that. I've only met Kevin Roberts two or three times in the course of my entire advertising career. He has always been extremely friendly. Um, I was really startled when Business Insider, you know, shared what he'd said about me. Um, but the point, the point absolutely isn't one bad apple. The point is the rot through the entire industry. And so it's not good these things are happening because they mean change isn't happening. But I guess what is good is that each time um, more and more um, breaks down, each time that closed group of white guys have some of their eyes opened, so the fact that Publicist Group moved extremely swiftly um, is good. And each time the women and the people of colour industry um, realise that they are absolutely not going to put up with this very much longer. And so um, there have absolutely been, um, I think, you know, good things coming out of that in that it's making the industry look even harder at itself and realize what absolutely should not be happening. And the thing I really, really want to emphasize to, again, in the interest of radical simplicity, is that the reason this shouldn't be happening is because we are an industry charged with selling our clients' brands and products. Our clients sell those brands and products to the whole of humanity. More than just white dudes. <laughs> and our industry does not reflect the whole of humanity. Our industry does not reflect the world as it really is. And so, you know, the things that I focus on are, oh, my God, our industry is missing a colossal opportunity to make a ton more money. But it's particularly missing a colossal opportunity to dramatically reinvent itself creatively for the future in a way that would absolutely give advertising a status and a place in the world and a reason for being that it is spectacularly failing to deliver at the moment. So, so you think that agencies, businesses ultimately are suffering because, you know, of some of these diversity issues, ironically? Um, they, aren't, um, they aren't suffering as noticeably um, as would ideally help that along. Um, it, it's like any industry. You know, the old world order is sufficiently entrenched that things can go on working the way they've worked for a very long time, right. but, but within that, the rot is spreading. And, you know, the, the colossal opportunity for the agencies and the brands, by the way, because you know, everything we're talking about absolutely applies on the client side as well, the enormous opportunity to tap into the creativity and the skills and talents of women and people of colour to come up with utterly innovative and disruptive ways to own the future because diversity drives innovation. 
innovation and disruption is a result of many different mindsets, perspectives, worldviews, insights, backgrounds, all coming together in constructive creative conflict to get to a far better place none of us could have gotten to on our own. And so, you know, we, we are failing as an industry to leverage what is our lifeblood, creativity. You know, I mean, I, you know, I bang on repetitively about the same things, okay, because, and I bang on repetitively about them because the message is not getting through. But every industry, not only ours, can learn from, you know, when you welcome the talent and the creativity of women and people of colour, when you actively embrace them and bring them into and give them ownership and belonging in, and I use this quote deliberately, the room where it happens, <laughs> what you get is Hamilton. When you have a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys at the top of the industry, what you get is Batman versus Superman. I so, rest my case. <laughs> do you, do, uh, that, that's, I know we have a lot of uh, theater goers. Uh, they'll know, you know the Hamilton references. But you mentioned the clients. A lot of these companies, they, they want to reach out to the masses. They, they want to make sure that they're marketing to their potential consumer. They would want their agencies to reflect that. But to what extent does their makeup reflect sort of their agency? So, which is to say, if they were pushing harder for more diversity internally, could, could that extend to the agency? Oh, um, oh, absolutely, and it should. Again, clients are missing a huge opportunity. So um, Unilever, a couple months ago, um, announced their unstereotype initiative. Um, they spent two years researching the fact that, surprise, surprise, women are depicted stereotypically, frequently, objectionably, and offensively in advertising. Women do not relate to the depictions of, of themselves they see in advertising. And Unilever, as a colossal global company that sells the vast amount of its products to women, um, said, you know, we are, we are now going to make sure that we do not allow this to continue in advertising. The thing is, you don't need an unstereotype initiative to unstereotype. All you need to do as Unilever is one very simple thing. Tell every single agency in your portfolio that you want them to instantly hire, promote, and field on your business all female ECDs, all female creative teams, and predominantly female credit departments. Because the money sort of would talk there. Absolutely. Unilever have that power, and they should be exercising it in that way. Because... You know, the, the, the reason we have stereotyped pictures of women in advertising is because men are writing those ads. You so, know, and, and, and I can tell you that, you know, I, um, you know, although I no longer work directly in the industry, I do a number of things within it, like I chair a um, campaign review committee for the Ad Council. I get to review a lot of work, and I absolutely see what, what is going on when agency creative departments and agency leadership and, and ECDs are male-dominated. So to what extent is that, I mean, sort of following on that point, to what extent is that sort of the responsibility of the client versus the agency themselves? Because, again, as you say, you know, the, the clients, the Unilevers of the world, you know, do sort of wield this power to an extent. It's a responsibility of both. But if the agency isn't making any movement in that direction, which, again, as I said, because its white male leadership is very, very comfortable doing just fine as they are, why would they want to rock the boat? Then the onus is absolutely on the client who wants to do better business to make that happen. And the client has the leverage because the client is paying the fees. I would love to see many more clients using that leverage to actually help transform our industry because they will do far better business as a result. 
All right, we're going to take a quick ad break, uh, but we'll be back in a second. Got an Amazon Echo or an Amazon Tap? Listen to the Wall Street Journal as part of your flash briefing. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix Podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. All right, we're back with Sydney Gallup. Uh, so well, one question I had, you you uh, left the advertising industry sort of formally in an agency role about, about a decade ago, right? I'm curious what the industry was like, you know, we're talking about these these issues, when you, when you got your start um, and sort of the change that you saw with diversity uh, in your tenure. And then what would your advice now be to sort of young you or the 23-year-old um, woman getting into the ad business now uh, for how to navigate all the things that we're talking about? Well, um, first of all, um, when I was coming up through the industry ranks, I didn't notice any of this. I just slogged my guts out. I was ferociously ambitious. And obviously, I can now look back and see what was going on around me. And, and by the way, it absolutely was going on uh, around me. I'm lucky that I didn't run into it in as serious a way as many other women in our industry have. Um, but, you know, I, I was just working every hour God gave me in this business because I bloody love it. Yeah. What I would say um, to young men and women coming into advertising today, um, I'd say don't. Let me explain what I mean by that. Don't go into advertising to go into advertising. Go into advertising to make what you want to happen, happen. I would love every young person joining our industry today to take a long, hard, clear-sighted, completely fresh look at the agency they're working in, the industry around them, decide what they think is missing, what should be there that isn't, what could be done completely differently, what they would like to see happen, and then make that happen. Whether you do that within the agency that's been fortunate enough to hire you, or whether you leave that agency and go and do it yourself. You, so know, you think there's, there's open space for um, young people to start their own shops or, or sort of see what's missing oh, in the market? Oh, my God. There is so much open space for everybody to start their own business and do things differently. I've been campaigning for years for many more female-founded agencies. There haven't been because when you work as a woman in industry that doesn't appreciate you, that gives you a really hard time, manages you out through all sorts of dynamics, you feel so flattened and insecure and inconfident, you don't believe for a moment you could possibly start your own business and bring anything fresh to this industry, which is a massive mistake. One of the things I talk about regularly is, is the increasing number of female-founded agencies that are completely redesigned the way we do business. And therein lies huge opportunity. And I mean by that people like um, uh, Lisa, and Jamie, um, Lisa Clooney and Jamie Robinson at Joan Creative, you know, who, who have designed that around an entirely collaborative um, client working process. I mean people like Heidi Hackamer of Wolf and Wilhelmine, who set out to design a diverse agency from the ground up where quality of work is equal to quality of life, and, and that is built into how they work. Um, agencies like um, Barbara Suolero's Mesa e Cadira in Sao Paulo that works with brands to bring people together around an intensive six-day table process and make products and prototypes that solve the brand's business issues that they come out with at the end. Women are redesigning the way our industry does business, and they're redesigning it in companies that men would be a whole lot happier working in and where men would really welcome the philosophies and the beliefs that those women are bringing. And again, I want to really emphasize this. 
everything that we're talking about means a far better industry, a far better world, and a far better working life for men. When we have as many female as male ECDs, when we have more female than male credit departments, not only will we see better depictions of women in advertising, we will see better depictions of men. Because I'm fed up with seeing young male morons in beer ads, hapless husbands, helpless fathers, and those stereotypes come out of male-dominated creative departments where the existing shorthand is deployed endlessly versus the completely different perspective, a very empathetic and human one, that female creatives would bring to how we feature and celebrate men in advertising as much as how we feature and celebrate women. Do you think that there, that this feeds into, because right now there's such a general uh, aversion to advertising. People are trying to block ads in all different ways, whether that's technologically installing an ad blocker or just sort of tuning it out, that there's this real lack of connection between maybe the actual creative work and that that the lack of diversity might be one of the one of these reasons. And if you could fix that, then maybe people would be sort of just more open in general to advertising? Oh, um, oh absolutely, undoubtedly. You know, people get, um, uh, people, p- people tend to kind of focus on the fact that, you know, I champion diversity and gender equality in our industry. What, what they don't always fully realize is that the reason I do that is because I bloody love our industry and I bloody love advertising. Our industry is jam-packed with brilliant, creative, intelligent, articulate people who spend all of that brilliance, creativity, intelligence, articulacy, focus 24-7 on their clients' business and never turn it upon themselves. If we'd ever done that, we would have reinvented our business model. We would have redesigned the industry. We'd be a very different place. The cobbler's children has no shoes. It's absolutely true. Um, and so I, you know, I champion our industry to the outside world because we do not get enough credit for what you have to be brilliant at to be brilliant at advertising. And I would love to see what our industry um, does celebrate it. I mean, it's, it's why I talk about the fact we have to move from a focus on making good advertising to a focus on making advertising good. We have to prove that we can be a force for good in order to even have a future. We have to make people believe that. It's why I have a presentation called How to Change the World Through Advertising that I wish more people would actually watch. In fact, um, listeners, please Google (laughs) Cindy Gallup, How to Change the World Through Advertising and watch that presentation because it really is about how to completely transform what our industry does in a way that will be welcomed. You know, ad blockers are not the issue. When we create advertising that people welcome, People, people don't want ad blockers, and ad blockers will be out of business. You know, it's, the, the onus is absolutely not on – I mean, I'm just horrified when I see that, you know, the IAB wants to sue ad blockers or what, what – you know. Because that's not the deeper issue. Um, that, that is not the issue. You know, create advertising that pe- people welcome and value and actively want to have in their lives, and ad blocking completely goes away as anything to even worry about. So what do you think? I mean, you're talking there about some of, I guess, like the broader issues that – the agencies face um i mean obviously we've talked a lot about diversity but what do you think are some of the other sort of lies that agencies tell themselves or myths that sort of they they help perpetuate about themselves well um, um again diversity lies at the heart of that because um sorry if i heave size i'm so so tired of talking about this year after year after year I've been talking for years about the fact that our industry needs to redesign the way it does business and it needs to redesign its business model. You know, I mean, 
people fall into the trap of thinking this is the only way our industry has ever made money. It's the only way it'll ever make money. This is the business model. There's nothing we can do about it. Why are people not turning creativity onto our business model? And that's where the creativity of women and people of color comes in. Bringing completely different mindsets, as I said, completely different worldviews, invite them in, welcome them, give them carte blanche to rip everything up and start again. And you will see extraordinarily creative, different, more lucrative business models. You will see different, far happier, healthier ways of doing business. Does that come back to the client again? I mean, because I've no, heard agencies um, no, over the years saying, you know, we, we'd love to sort of work in closer partnership with our client and get paid on performance and sort no, of some uh, of that stuff. Um, no, um, no, no, do you know, it, it, it absolutely has nothing to do with the clients at all. Um, I was asked this question once when, when I was talking about um, reinventing the future of advertising. And um, somebody in the audience said, but how do we get our clients to buy into this the approach you're talking about? Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't. What you do is you start with yourself and you start with your values. And by the way, you know, I, um, these are all my own philosophies, which I live myself. Everything in life and business starts with you and your values. Whether you are an individual or a company, where you start is you go, what do I believe in? What do I value? What do I stand for? You then project that very clearly to the world. I'm a great believer in be your own filter. Because when you project those values out to the world, you attract the clients who want what you do and you repel the ones who don't. And you sure as hell want to repel the ones who don't because they're a waste of time, effort, and money. And so, you know, um, my answer to this person in the audience was, you decide what you stand for. You design the way you operate around that. You design how you live those values day to day. You put them out there and then you will get the clients who want what you do and you won't have to worry about the ones who don't. Yeah, when when you talk about um, you know sort of tearing up the playbook, do you think that there are agents the, the sort of big agencies today um, when they're doing things like diversity training or some of the strategies that they'll that they'll use so one uh, unconscious bias training or some of these things that that there's any hope that some of these big places might be able to really move move in that direction or do you think that some of these big holding companies and agencies are so stuck in their ways that it would really take sort of new new firms like the ones that you mentioned to come in and really disrupt things? Well, first of all, um, I hate the word diversity. It's not about diversity. It's about humanity. It's about reflecting the world as it really is. It's as simple as that. And I say that in answer to your question because the danger with talking about diversity all the time is that you start thinking you're doing it. You know, and you're not. Right, you're you just know. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And at the same time, um, and unfortunately this, this, this is proven by data-driven studies, um, the more you talk about diversity, the more resentful the white men in your organization feel. And ironically, this is also, I mean, there's a whole wealth of, of data on this, but ironically too, um, when you talk about diversity and you have diversity initiatives in place and people feel that something is happening, they then feel licensed to not be diverse. It's As in, we've, we've done this already. We've had our conversation, well, well, and so now we can move on. Well, um, um, no, it, it, it's more, it's the psychology where, um, again, um, studies have proven that, you know, if you, if you do something that is virtuous, you then feel that gives you license to do something that isn't. Um, you know, at a very basic level, if you, you know, if you, if you substitute diet soda for your full-fat soda, you can now go and eat a bag of chips. And, 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 and as I say, there, there are many, many studies of human psychology that demonstrate this in actually far more serious um, scenarios. 
So, so what I mean is that when um, a company knows it has a diversity program in place and that you know HR is looking for diverse candidates, they feel completely okay about carrying it on the way they've always been <laughs> because it's not up to them. So, so the answer is not diversity initiatives, diversity programs. The answer is simply doing it. And, and absolutely making sure that, that it gets done. And that requires a very different approach to a lot of these very well-meaning corporate speak scenarios. And by the way, you know, that is exactly what I advise um, companies on as a consultant, not talking about it, doing it. So, so when you talk about sort of some of these diversity programs that, that are in place, I mean, I've heard women sort of suggest that they don't necessarily want to be hired on the fact that they're a woman, you know, they want to be hired on the quality of the work. Um, I know this is something you've talked about before, but um, I mean, what's your sort of approach to that? Yep. No, I mean, you know, when women say to me, I don't want to get hired just because I'm a woman, my response is get over it. All around you are mediocre men who got hired because they were men. Get hired because you're a woman, welcome that opportunity, and then do the bloody brilliant job in that role you're going to do anyway and prove how much you deserve it. I'm, I'm absolutely for affirmative action because without it, we do not advance fast enough. Um, another thing you've talked about is, um, I guess, women leaving the business because of sort of corporate structures. and Yeah, you mentioned being managed out. and uh, Being managed out, yeah. yeah. What did you mean by that exactly? Um, well, I, I object to the narrative that says that women leave their own volition. They absolutely don't. They get managed out for a vast range of reasons. Sexual harassment, very, very big, endemic in our industry as it is in every other industry. Women write to me all the time with horrifying stories. And it's depressing because I would like them to tell those stories to journalists. And I promise they can be completely anonymous and they're still so terrified of retaliation um, that they won't even, you know, engage anonymously. And they're quite right to me because I also get horrifying stories of retaliation. I cannot tell you how much female creativity our industry has lost and buried and allowed to go to waste because of the white male scenario that means that sexual harassment... um, constant um, uh, keeping down, failing to promote, giving the opportunities to men instead, favoring men over women, I cannot tell you how much talent we've lost because of that. So there are many, many reasons women get managed out of our industry. And we have to stop them because we are losing a colossal amount of talent. And, And another really depressing thing is the most recurring phrase that I see in those emails I get is, for a long time, I thought it was me. Women castigate themselves for lack of creative talent when they have it in bloody spades. Um, Women's confidence is destroyed. You know, their belief in themselves is destroyed. Um, Honestly, um, the the, the stories that never get told are horrifying. And, And by the way, there are also practical reasons those stories don't get told. If you're not working in the ad industry in New York or L.A., you are working in much smaller communities You know, a woman wrote to me from Chicago with an appalling saga, and I really wanted her to tell it to somebody, but she wouldn't because even with the names taken out, the risk was that that the community was small enough that, Mm -hmm. yep. So so these stories don't get told, and the industry needs to know about them because it's just horrifying. And obviously everything I say about women also applies to people of color because this industry is racist as hell. 
In your um, consulting work, are there industries that, you know, when you talk about sort of people leaving the advertising industry, are there other industries that you look to and say, they're doing a really good job? So people no. are, no. No, um, no. Um, all the issues we're talking about now are true of every industry. And that's why um, they have to be tackled by individuals within that industry. Again, I go back to my change happens from the bottom up, not the top down. It needs every single one of us who feels strongly about this to do something about it and to speak up about it. If nobody speaks up, nothing changes. And I have to say, you know, something I find enormously encouraging. Actually, there are two things I find very encouraging. The first is... Getting invited on the Media Mix podcast. Uh, well, well, that was the third thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. My God, I've made it. Um, this is so encouraging. Um, the, um, the first thing is that more and more women write to me and say, you know, because you spoke up, now I'm speaking up. And they tell me different individual stories of, you know, um, uh, you know, um, an, um, an interview where, you know, they queried the lack of women on the leadership team. You know, um, a woman wrote to me just this morning, actually, about um, about uh, an interview she was doing for a job. And and <clears throat> and in fact, she said, you know, she, she was thinking about me um, within it because she was asked um um, pushed by the head of talent to open up about her past. And, and she ended up talking about the fact that she had been a victim of sexual abuse and kind of how... And, and, and she said that originally she was thinking of not going there. And then she thought, if this company cannot accept, given they're asking my personal story and how I've dealt with it, then I don't want to work for them anyway. Um, I mean, she literally was interviewed yesterday, and then she and then she sent me that email this morning. So we don't know whether she's got the job or not, <laughs> you know. But um, but but more and more women tell me because you're speaking up now, I'm speaking up, which is wonderful. The second thing I'm enormously encouraged by is the number of men who are welcoming everything I'm saying. So you know, I spoke at Cannes. Um, I did a Cannes masterclass this year back in June on how to change the world for advertising, and you know, obviously a lot of women come up to me after I speak, but in this case. I loved seeing the number of men who came up. So a couple of young creatives came up from an agency in a Latin American country. I'm afraid I can't remember which one. And they, and they said to me, our creative department has virtually no women in it. We want it to be gender equal. We know that we will do better work when we have w women creatives working side by side with us. They said, we, we totally agree with everything you say. We're going to go back and try and change that. You know, another man came up to me and he said, um, I follow you on social media. I love everything you post. Because of you, you know, we were interviewing interns this summer and I was thinking about making sure that we got a diverse group and we've hired these two amazing women and I think they're going to be wonderful. I can't wait to work with them. You know, another man came up and said, um, he was from West Coast Agents, he said, um, the women in my agency play your, you know, make us all sit down and play us your talks all the time. <laughs> but because they do that, I've thought differently about how I recruit in the creative department and I'm actively looking for, you know, diverse creative talent. So, you know, I find that enormously heartening. The, the, the men lower down in the industry do not have the attitudes of the men at the top of the industry. And I think that's wonderful. I mean, they know the benefits to them when we have a more gender equal industry. In, in some sense, then, hopefully, I mean, one would think that time is, is on the side of, of this issue, right? Because as I think young people in general are um, more progressive on all of these issues, and these are the people that are going to be rising to, to the leadership roles. Um, yeah, but but it's going to take them some time to do that. Right. And so, you know, we can't rely on that to solve sure. the issue. We, we, we still, as I said, we have to tackle it from every possible angle, bottom up, top down, and within every company by the people who want to see that company change.
so we talked about um, some smaller agencies um, sort of, you know, sort of attacking these issues pretty aggressively. But, um, I mean, if you were running sort of a large legacy a- agency, I mean, what would you do? If you came in tomorrow, how would you sort of attempt to, to tackle some of, these, t- some of these issues? Well, so um, the issue for um, the holding companies and the big agencies within them is that when you answer to Wall Street every minute of every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year, you don't change anything. Because what you have to be prepared to do, and so, and so this, is, this is what I would do, I would, um, I would find a very visionary and very compelling case to make to my management and my shareholders that said, we are going to take a financial hit in the short term. We are going to invest in what we need to do to completely redesign ourselves from the core. And this is where the numbers are going to go dramatically down. But I promise you that because we're doing this, they will go equally dramatically up and they will increase beyond that. And here is a very clear plan for redesigning the way we do business. The point I always make is you cannot do new world order business from an old world order place. As opposed to, you know, um, what's happening at the moment is the stick on approach. Oh, look, oh, look, um, we need one of those. Let's, let's buy it and stick it on here. You know, oh, let's acquire that. Oh, let's have this division. And so you've got these... Which has happened for yeah, years, yeah, decades. Um, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And so you've got these ridiculous, misshapen, amorphous globs <laughs> that are still at the heart operating the way agencies were back in the 1930s. You know, there actually is a formula for business success. There's a very simple formula that if you put it in place, guaranteed your business will be successful. It goes like this. If you um, seek out, identify, and hire the very best talent in the marketplace, if you then give that talent a highly inspirational and compelling vision of what you want them to achieve for you and the business, if you then stand right back and empower and allow that talent, those people, to achieve those goals in any way they choose to, using their own particular individual skills and talents, if you at the same time make it crystal clear to those people how much you value those skills and talents, not just in compensation terms, but verbally, volubly, publicly, every day, and if you allow those people to then share in the profit that they create, you'll be successful. It's that simple. And virtually nobody does it because what that formula requires is a high-trust working environment. And every company and agency is low-trust. The entire corporate hierarchy is predicated on the idea that the person at the top doesn't trust people below, doesn't trust people below, and it's one big champagne fountain of cascading low-trust all the way down to the bottom. And so I would redesign around high-trust. And I would redesign a far flatter structure, but where everybody lived and breathed the values of the company and therefore could be trusted to act on them at a moment's notice in today's real-time responsive communications industry without having to go through 15 levels of approval for everything. All right. Well, you heard it here. All our uh, agency listeners, uh, Cindy Gallup, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Catch us next time on the WSJ Media Mix podcast.